Mutt. My name is Chad Asleo. Welcome to episode 4 of Indigenous Voices of Vancouver Island, a five-part podcast series where we experience Vancouver Island through the stories of Indigenous tourism. This series is brought to you by 4VI, a social enterprise created to ensure that travel is a force for good for Vancouver Island forever. This is a particularly special episode for me as we are going to visit the traditional territory of my own people, the Humalco First Nation. Traditionally, we were known as the people of fast running waters, named after the turbulent waters surrounding our original home in Butte Inlet on the west coast of BC mainland, across the Salish Sea from Campbell River on Vancouver Island. We are the most northern of the Coast Salish nations, Our ancestral tongue, Ayajutham, part of the Salish language family, is shared with our sister nations, Slaman, Klahus, and Komox. In this episode, we are going to visit Homalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours for an in-depth experience of our history, traditional territory, culture, and conservation efforts around local grizzly bear population. Following that, we'll come back to the island for a quick visit to an Indigenous art gallery in Comox that is empowering the arts and culture scene for Indigenous artists from many nations up and down the West Coast. Let's get going. Although it's not part of our traditional territory, the Humalco Nation has reserved lands in Campbell River. This modern village was established in the early 1990s, over a century after our ancestors were forcibly removed from our homelands in Butte Inlet by colonizers. Our ancient village sites are sadly no longer occupied, but Humalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours is part of a much larger movement amongst our people towards revitalizing aspects of ourselves taken from us long ago. We begin our journey in downtown Campbell River, just a short walk from the Campbell River Visitor Center. We dock a boat at the Coast Marina right next door to the BC Ferries Campbell River Terminal. From here, it's a beautiful two-hour boat ride through the Discovery Islands. I get butterflies in my stomach as we approach the ancient home of my ancestors. I'll admit I'm a little jealous of Cheyenne Trenholm's job, who started as a summer student with Homalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours in 2018 and continues with the company today. My favorite piece about my job is where I work. I work right on the ocean, on the water, and so I get to see a lot of marine life every day. Seals, uh, little otters, a bunch of seabirds, sometimes you have octopus, like there's honestly something new every day. We're pretty far northeast of Campbell River, approaching the mouth of Butte Inlet, a long, deep fjord that snakes its way into the coastal mountain range of the BC mainland. So you're heading out into this inlet, and the first thing that a lot of people can notice once they get there is the water. The water is this beautiful turquoise color. It's bright blue. Uh, We call it Butte Blue because the the glacier running off of the, the mountains and into the ocean, it just causes this this beautiful color so you know visual piece to, to the tour already and so when you get to Butte Inlet you travel up to Orford Bay 
which is about halfway up the inlet. And once in Orford Bay, this is where the, the fun begins with grizzly bears. For over two decades, Homako Wildlife and Cultural Tours has guided groups through this inlet and along the Orford River where grizzly bear populations thrive during the salmon run. Sometimes you see grizzly bears already feeding in the estuary. Uh, they're feeding on clams, they're digging up clams, they're, dig- they're, they're eating some seafood. And so sometimes they're there, but it gets better from there. So you hop off the boat, you get onto a tour bus, and this tour bus takes you to various viewing platforms and also ground viewing locations about a 10-kilometer uh, distance along the Orford River and Algard Creek, which is where the salmon like to run up um, when they're doing their spawning. And so, yeah, we have multiple viewing platforms. They're really high. They have 360 viewing, so you get to see all around you. And, yeah, it's about a three-hour time while you're out in Orford Bay uh, viewing these grizzly bears, um, watching them fish, watching them interact with each other, and just, you know, in the wild. You get to view a grizzly bear in the wild. As Homalco people, we have been stewards of our territories since time immemorial. The staff at Homalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours work diligently to enhance and revive native salmon stock, protect and preserve the bear population, and maintain the health of the marine ecosystem through low-impact practices. We first opened uh, around 2001, and so that opened um, in Orford Bay, which is where our grizzly tours take place, our Great Bears of Butte tour. And so that was in 2001, and that was in in line with the Hamelco hatchery that was actually starting to get built in, in the 90s um, under direction of uh, the, the past chief, uh, Chief Richard Harry. And he they developed this, this hatchery back then and, and they noticed with this hatchery and the salmon that were returning that more grizzly bears were actually coming. And so they explored this opportunity of grizzly bear tours and welcoming guests to, to view grizzly bears. And so that was in 2001. That was the very first piece of it. And it was Hamelco Wildlife Tours. And since then, we've expanded uh, greatly in the past few years um, into more marine wildlife and cultural tours. Whether you like to take in the lumbering steps of a grizzly on the move or watch a humpback crest over the water and have its tail flap as he goes down or get hands-on experience weaving cedar, these tours will bring you into the fold of a region rich with Homalco culture. You know, with our name, Homalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours, we're really trying to die, um, open up this piece of cultural immersion, cultural sharing and knowledge sharing and understanding with within the, the nation itself. So on all of our tours, there's a cultural element to it. You have um, typically a First Nation or Homalco guide or boat captain. And so they can share stories. You know, First Nations people, they, they share stories. We're storytellers. And so while on these tours, you hear all these legends, you hear about traditional names for the different animals you see. And that's just on the tour. So it's on all of the tours, you get to hear all these different interpretations. So, but for the cultural tour, for our People Water Land tour, for example, it's, it's deeper than that. You actually get to go out again into Butte Inlet, the traditional territory and um, it's an hour, hour away into open church house, I mentioned earlier, where you actually get to get off the boat and onto the land, um, off of our landing crafts. So you walk onto the this last village site of the Malka First Nation, which was last inha- inhabited in the 1980s. 
And so people haven't been back there in, in years, or, or let alone visitors being on a traditional site. And um, it's a piece of of creating future development for the area because community members want to go back there. They want to return to the homelands. And so this piece is kind of just like a very small piece of the puzzle, but we get to kind of start this and, and bring visitors to come and learn about the area, learn about the history. There's some structures still standing there um, that people get to see. And, you know, there's some, there's some dark history involved as well. It can't, you can't shine a blind over that. It's, it's, it's why people like to come out and they like to learn the truth and the stories from people who live there or their parents who live there. And so it's very firsthand experience of learning about the culture, the history, about how people lived there, how they, you know, hunted and gathered and fished and what happened over the, the past hundred years. And so it's a, it's a lot of education, but also it's also immersive in a sense of you're walking through these trails and the visual landscapes there. And you also get a chance to weave a cedar bracelet. And so you get to take something home with you. Yeah, the guide gets to teach you how to work with cedar. The cedar is the tree of life. A lot of, you know, it's a, it's a staple to the West Coast and to, for Indigenous peoples, the cedar. And so when people get to take that home with them, it, it really sticks with them um, along with, you know, what they've learned throughout the day. Wow. Sounds like you know uh, a lot about what's being woven in there. And, and as you said, that it's just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, both of ourselves being part part of the Mahalco, uh, personally, you know, we, we know of, of certain things that are, uh, you know, uh, on track to continue growing, um, uh, you know, things that are on the traditional land, uh, which I don't think we can talk about. But, we, we, you know, it's really exciting to to know that there's, there's more on the way. So uh, I'd like to now focus on if... For people who are listening, you know, oh, oh, what what would you like, uh, what would the Pumalco and yourself like to have them come away from your business? Like, what, what is the experience or the feeling that you want them to have after they've experienced the tour, whether it's the cultural one or the wildlife? I think after everyone comes back from a tour, uh, they come back with a smile on their face and they come back with a, a feeling of being able to share this experience with a First Nation guide is a big piece and they get to learn. But they also get to see the the beauty that is our traditional territory. It's it's stunning. It feels healing. There's a healing sense to it. So people come back and they just feel like almost rejuvenated. And and with that, I find people can understand a little bit more about the connection that people share to the land and what we can do as a society to help save it. In a sense of if you don't see it or experience, you're not going to really want to put effort into helping keep it the way it is. So it's a big piece in conservation here is we want to educate people about the area and the beauty and the natural landscape. And um, people come back with that and they, they respect it more than when they came out, they feel. I'm so proud to be Homalco and to get this chance to share a deep look at my culture with you is truly special. I asked Cheyenne for a word in our language that she thinks we ought to leave you with as a parting gift for visiting our territory. Yeah, I thought about this and and I really like the word for grizzly bear, which is haugus. Haugus. And I feel this word, it it sticks with some people because it's one, it's pretty easy to pronounce. And, you know, you go out and you get to see this magnificent creature called haugus and, and yeah. Once again, a big thank you to Cheyenne Trenholm from Homalco Wildlife and Cultural Tours 
for sharing with us the beauty of Homalco territory and the conservation efforts underway with the salmon, grizzly, and marine populations. For more information, you can visit homalcotours.com. Now let's head back to Vancouver Island. Our next stop, an Indigenous art gallery that is a must-see in the Comox Valley. The iHost Gallery is located between Courtney and Comox, on the site of the original Comox Village. The beautiful house front design of iHost Gallery incorporates a whale, Queenish, and the double-headed sea serpent, iHost. These creatures represent important crests of the Comox people. Standing inside of the entrance pole is a Kwekwe dancer. The dancer wears a mask with protruding eyes and tongue. The dancer carries a scallop shell rattle and wears a tunic of swan feathers. This prestigious dance was a privilege of high-ranking Comox families. Being within our territory, our gallery is shaped like our big house, our ceremonial big house. And it's got the big beams around to as if you were walking into... Uh, our ceremonial big house, you see the big beams all over and it's very open. Um, so that's the way the gallery's set up. And then we've got cedar all, all around and the and so it helps set the, uh, the artwork as we put it up to display. That is Ramona Johnson, a Comox band member who's been with the iHost Gallery ever since it opened in 1995. We're very well supported with our local people in the Valley. So they come in for their anniversary gifts. They come in for their birthday gifts and, and baby gifts and grad gifts. So we got all them coming in. And the one nice thing is now that the baby and grad gifts, we're actually seeing the teenagers and the adults that have received those gifts from way back then. So it's really, it's really fun to be around for this long and, and keep that customer base and communicate with everybody. And yeah, it's lots of fun. It's nice that they're remembering those gifts and then coming back and and buying it in the same place. So can you tell me a bit about uh, the inspiration behind the Comox band and why they decided that this was the right business to to pursue? What what, what is the benefit? Well, we wanted to have our artists be treated with the respect that they need. We wanted them to, uh, um, so when they walk into a place, um, they got the prices they were asked for. So it was a matter of taking all the other businesses that are around and saying, hey, you guys got to treat our artists. And because if you're not going to treat them right, we're sure going to treat them right and, and give them all of the uh, 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 get their art out there as, as well as we can. But it's, it, I'm glad to say that a lot of businesses now um, don't just buy a, a design from our artists anymore. They actually give them honorariums. So every piece sold, uh, the artists get an honorarium now. And that's from the day that they've started until they don't do it anymore, which is way better for our artists. The iHouse Gallery has what you would usually expect from an Indigenous art store, including traditional artworks such as masks and carvings, jewelry, woven cedar hats and baskets. But they also have contemporary products as local Indigenous artists experiment with new materials and ideas. Well, the real hot one now is the metal art. I'm dealing with two different companies who um, are dealing with probably, is it 
five to six artists. So we have lots of metal art that's that's just moving, well, let alone it's easy to travel with, but it's uh, very affordable. And another company we deal with, and Noel Brown is the only one dealing with them. He's a Coast Salish artist, and that's for outdoor art. So it can last outside for years. And beautiful designs he has. They can go from two feet up to five feet and all different kinds of designs. And, and I think they've got them in two colors, black or brown. But those are really different and unique also. And then uh, the ceramics. I have there more artists are getting into ceramic ware because now we're getting into your kitchen bowls and, you know, your kitchen table settings, which we really hadn't before. And they're doing it very, very professionally and very elegant. Wow, that's that sounds exciting. Uh, let's talk a bit about uh, for people who do come to the business, who are listening to this and may be interested in and in wanting to go check out the gallery. What do you want the overall takeaway or experience or feeling for those people to be when they when they leave the business? Well, most people that come to the gallery, it's usually an hour that they come in the way we have it set up. And then if they want to chat with us, we walk them around and we talk with them because we're promoting our we're sharing our culture. So with the different artists we have we try and know as much about each piece. So we'll get that from the artist before they go. And we've got all that to go over with whoever wants to chat. And and even with the clothing, all of the clothing is going to have what that design means and where that artist is from. So it's a lot of time of walking around and looking and, and seeing what you're interested in. And especially if you get into the jewelry, then, <laughs> you know, that's an hour on its own, just looking through the jewelry of all the bracelets and the different designs and the different artists and yeah, so it's uh, it's sharing our culture with everybody and getting them to have a better understanding of our people. Once again, thank you to Ramona Johnson with iHost Gallery, located in between Corny and Comox on the site of the original Comox Village. The iHost Gallery features the work of more than 50 Indigenous artists from Vancouver Island and the surrounding region. You can shop online to support the local arts and cultural economy by visiting iHostGallery.com. My name is Chad Asleo, and that does it for Episode 4 of Indigenous Voices of Vancouver Island, a five-part series experiencing Vancouver Island through the stories of Indigenous tourism. This podcast is made possible by 4VI, a social enterprise created to ensure that travel is a force of good for Vancouver Island forever. We have one more episode to spend together, and we are going out with an adventure. Two adventures, that is, including a stop at Wild Waterways Adventures off Quadra Island and Campbell River, and a tour with Thunderbird e-bikes near Tofino. Once again, thank you for joining me as we experience what Vancouver Island has to offer through Indigenous tourism. Indigenous tourism.